Hello and thank you for joining us for our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I appreciate you tuning us in today. That God may speak to you through his word and the Holy Spirit may minister to you through the messages that are brought forth. That you'll be blessed and we pray that you will continue to listen to our podcast and we pray that you would have a blessed day. God bless you all. Yeah, so he'll probably be there almost nine more months. But uh, of your faithfulness, we've been able to cover his entire expenses uh, while he's been there because he raises half of his expenses and then he has to make up the other 1200 uh, So people have been giving that through the offering, not to Juan necessarily, but to uh, Spokane. Uh, what do we put on there? Adult challenge, yeah, it's because he's in the adult challenge over in Spokane. Uh, and if you saw baby bottles on the back, uh, every year between Mother's Day, we didn't have them last week, but um, we got them for this Sunday. Between Mother's Day and Father's Day, uh, those are baby bottles you take home and you fill with spare change or money, or you can. there's a little note inside there how you can uh, support our local Hope Pregnancy Center and... Uh, the clinic up in Kalispell, because uh, we believe in life, and so we're um, we want to support those ladies that are going through pregnancies or unplanned things. Uh, a lot of things they give away clothes, they help counsel women, they do ultrasounds, they do traveling to different communities uh, with their. It's like a traveling clinic. It's pretty cool how they they bought that a number of years ago or a few years ago. And uh, it's like literally a, a doctor's office. You go in there uh, in this RV that they converted. So it's pretty cool. Uh, so that goes to support that ministry. If you want to take that home and return it, you know, before fa- Father's Day or on Father's Day. So for this time period. Um, we're going to continue on today in our Mark series, uh, Preparing the Way of the Lord uh, series. And today we're continuing on in Mark chapter 7. Uh, I took a a week off. Jill did a fantastic job last week teaching. Um, And so today we're going to finish chapter 7. But the previous uh, time I taught out of this was when Jesus went to get away. He was trying to find some privacy. And when he went to this place, um, this lady found him. This Syrophoenician woman, it says... Uh, found him there, fell at his knees, fell at his feet, and was begging him, please, please, heal my daughter, heal my daughter. She's demonized. I need something. I, I need a miracle for my daughter. I need her to be set free from this demonic spirits. Um, and it says that Jesus said something kind of strange, but he said, first let the children eat what they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And uh, of the, uh, the Canaanite women uh, of the Gentiles, Jesus said, I have come for the Jews. I've come for them first. And, and so she made an uh, interesting reply. She said, but even the dogs eat the children's crumbs that fall from the table. You probably all have dogs that sit and park themselves right underneath the table and eat whatever they can. I do. Uh, <laughs> so, but he was, and, and the people... It was kind of a, a derogatory statement, but um, the dogs, meaning the, the, the Gentiles. But she, and he says, I see your faith is great. Your faith is great, yes. Uh, and your daughter is healed at this very moment. And she was set free from those demonic spirits. Well, well he left there uh, 
He left there and uh, this was in that region, but Jesus left that Canaanite place and he went again to a quiet place to get away um, to this area that we're going to read about today. Let's look at that starting in verse 31. It says, then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his finger in the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. And he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha. Can you say that real fast? Ephatha. Okay. (laughs) Which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loosened And he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it, and the people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. God, this is another example of your miracle working power. Lord, you did this then, and you still do it today. Because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we say, uh, be open. Be open, Lord God. May may it happen even today, Lord, that you're doing the healings just as you did then in Jesus' name. But today I want to talk about, um, even though this trip may seem random, may seem like a random thing. Jesus left their uh, Tyre and Sidon, and then he went down to, to Decapolis, in the region of uh, the Sea of Galilee, which was a Gentile area. It was a, uh, for a Jew, it was a forbidden area. It was a place that they just said, no, we're not, we're not going to associate with this people. Jesus went there again to kind of get away. And then these people, these friends, it might have been family, uh, but they were desperate. They were desperate for their, their loved one, their friend, whoever he may be, this deaf man who is also mute. Um, they came to Jesus, and often you see this, the, the faith of friends, the faith of family coming to Jesus and saying, you know, it reminds me of the one where he was teaching in the house and they tore the roof open and they lowered him down on a mat. The, fr- the faith of friends uh, taking them to Jesus, they were desperate. This might seem random, but what I want to talk about today is that God has a purpose in everything. There's always a purpose. God has a purpose even when we don't yet see it. He has a plan for us. And uh, so what's interesting in both these cases of this, this Syrophoenician woman and this, this deaf man is that God was opening the door to the Gentiles. He was opening the door, breaking down the wall, the dividing wall between both uh, of these people groups. And Jesus did in King, Indeed, come for the Jew. He is the he came for the Jew, but he also was saying, "I'm breaking down that wall that has been up there, so that God, my love and my power can reach all people. I've come for all people, and so this was deliberate deliberateness in what he was doing. There was a purpose and a plan, even though it just seems kind of random. God even has a purpose in random, spontaneous things at times." And I want to talk about it. I want to stress the importance today that God has made you with a purpose. That you all have a purpose. You all have a plan. God created you, as I read in Psalm 139, that you weren't made a mistake. You never are a mistake. 
You're never just a random blip, you know, you know, got messed up. I mean, how many of you were accidents or <laughs> you were born, maybe you weren't planned <laughs> in that, you know, I have a brother that, you know, we called him our, our little brother, our little accident, you know, but <laughs> we were mean to him, but, but there's never an accident, right? God always has a plan. He made you with a purpose. Your looks, your personality, your giftings, your strengths, uh, your body, your mind, everything about you, even what you may call as imperfections. You know, some of your imperfections, things you don't like about yourself. Well, I don't like this, you know, I don't like this that I got, you know. But God made you with a purpose. He made you perfect. <laughs> and that's, that's what we have to believe. You know, sometimes we see these people with disabilities and we're going, well, you you know, something's wrong with you. And it's just like, do you realize that God made, God made people perfect no matter what and who they are. Christ created you for such a time as this. He could, we could have been born, have you ever, ever wondered, uh, man, I sure wish I was born back in the 1800s. I mean, things were so much simple back then, you know, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? You had to go chop down wood, you had to cook it on a stove, you had to do all this stuff back in the olden days. I mean, it wasn't so easy. Um, God made us for this time in 2021, where we're living today, for a specific purpose, and his timing God's timing. Have you ever just wondered about God's timing? Is God's timing perfect? It always is, but it might not be my timing. It might not be what I like. God has a perfect plan in his timing. It might not be ours, but he's never too late, never too early. But Jesus also um, planned us for such a time as this. And he uniquely gifted you. He uniquely created you the way you are. And then he's given you gifts and talents. And he's created you for a purpose to be used for his glory. Every one of us. You are a, I've heard it said, you are a perfect 10 in something. And a lot of times we look at the 10 talent people, you know, the people that just have, they could do everything right. You know, they're, they're the sports person. They're, they can play instruments. They could sing. They could speak. You know, they can do all these things. And you're just like, oh, brother. You know, <laughs> I, I've just got one. You know, I just barely got one. I, I have a half a percent, you know. <laughs> but God made you perfect in one, at least one thing. And you know what? The most of, most of you are perfect in one thing. Most of you. Most people have one major talent. And so we can't just envy or covet the person with the 10 talents. And you know what God says to, to, to use that. Use that for his purposes. Don't bury those things, but use it for his glory. And then sometimes, you know, if you're faithful in the little, he will give you more. And he wants you to be faithful in what he's given to you. Right now, God is shaping you in your own circumstances and you perhaps even in your trials, perhaps in your hardships that you're going through. He's shaping you. And we don't like to hear that part, but that's part of what is growth in our lives. Sometimes we avoid hardship or pain or whatever it may be at all costs. None of us like to go through that. 
But there are, God doesn't give us temptation, but he does give us trials at time to test our faith, to see where, how we will live for him, how we will go through that, how we will turn to him. Um, but he wants to transform us into the man or the woman he wants you to become. And there's always intentionality in all that God does, especially for his children. It says, I want to give you a few scriptures, Romans 8, 28. You know, you're familiar with that one. It says, God causes all things to work to good for good for those who love him and called according to his what? His purpose, right? He has a purpose. First, uh, Philippians chapter one, verse six, he who began in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He will perfect those things in you. He's not done with you. Until, like Sharon said, until he calls your name, your number, whatever you call it, you're still here. You still have a plan. And some people I've, I've talked to, and I've talked to elderly, I mean, I've talked to some people that said, you know, God called me into the ministry years ago, and I, I didn't follow that call. And I'm like, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? It doesn't mean that because you're aged now that you, you're done. It means that you still can get on board. You still can fulfill that call that God put on your life, no matter where you are. You're not restricted. You might not be able to go on a YWAM trip like you maybe were supposed to do, or, but you can still fulfill the call God given you. Second Peter 1 verse 3 says, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the true knowledge of him who called you by his own glory and excellence. Do you believe in God's sovereignty? I think the more I have um, grown older, <laughs> I, I have come to appreciate more the sovereignty of God. And some people, I got to clarify this because some people say, well, I believe in the sovereignty of God, so he's going to do whatever he's going to do. And I don't have a, I don't have a choice in that. God's sovereignty, basically, you know, it's just going to, he's going to do what he's going to do, and I just have to sit and be happy with it. Um, God's going to do what he's going to do. Yes, that's true. But he also wants you to get on board with his plan and obey what he's calling you and be obedient to the things that he's called you to do. So um, God is way beyond my ways. Isaiah 55, he's way beyond my understanding. We, we can't understand his ways. They're not mine. Is God's will and his plans ever thwarted because of my will? Can it be thwarted? This is where, again, the sovereignty of God. And, and I believe the answer is yes. God's will is that none would perish, but ever come to, everyone to come to everlasting life. So is his will thwarted? Yes, because he's given us all a free will to submit to him, to accept him, to believe in him, but some don't, many don't. Also with God's will, are, is it ever thwarted because of my will, my resistance, my rejection of God? Yes, because I run the opposite way of God. And he says, I will remain here. I will be here for you. As you run away from me, I will still be here until you come back. Does God still have a purpose? Even in those places where we run, like I said, in, we read in Psalm 139, he is still there. Where can you flee from his presence? You can't. You can't. It's a constant 
The Lord's love, the Father's love is going to pursue you and pursue you and pursue you. He waits and he says, I'll be here. I'll be here in the waiting. But he's also, his love is never going to give up on you. He's never going to say, well, you, you know, so long, see you later. He still has a plan. He always does, always will, and he knows the future. He knows the moment that we're going to finally come to the end of ourselves and say, okay, Lord, I, 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 I give up. I give up running. There comes the question of God's timing and his will and his purposes. On this earth, none of us will understand completely the way and the why and how God does things. I don't understand that part. All in all, God has a purpose. Does that mean he causes evil, he causes sickness or disease or death? I don't believe God can give us something that he doesn't have. He did not create death. He did not create sickness. It's from the enemy who created that. Does the question then, uh, does God allow it to happen? Is another interesting thing I can't understand. I can't understand that. Are we all appointed once to die? Yes, every one of us will come and we will get sick and we all die. I'm, I'm all for being healthy when I die. Just, just drop dead. <laughs> just all of a sudden, you're done. Okay, I never had to be sick. You know, <laughs> it would just, just happen. But all of us, we're, we're living in a fallen state. Our bodies are broken. They, they fall apart. They, they hurt, you know. Um, so does God give us things to ever teach us a lesson? No. I don't think God just said, you know, you deserve this. You're going to learn your lesson out of this. God's not that way that he's going to say, I'm trying to teach you a lesson of something that you deserve. Are there consequences for our sinful actions and our choices we make? Yes. If we've abused our body for many, many years and we're, still, we're now having physical uh, effects from that, it is damage caused because of our fallen state or our sin issues or whatever that might be. That is a consequence for our actions. People that uh, have, have done things, broken the law, and they're now in prison. You know, people have had to sit in prison because of the consequences of their sin. doesn't mean God hasn't forgiven you. He hasn't... Uh, Forgiven those things, but it's like, but you still have to now pay the penalty for the price for some of those actions that we have committed. God still loves you, nonetheless. That so in this case of this this deaf man, he had this speech impediment, and he was deaf. Now, how long had he been this way? It doesn't say. It doesn't show the history of it. He could have been born that way. He could have been. Um, this way for just a short period of time. And they were desperate. His friends were coming to him and saying, we're desperate, please heal our friend or our family member, please. And we don't know if it was for a lifetime, why is it now at this, finally this moment? Why didn't it happen years ago? And we, again, we don't know why. But it was in that very moment that God says, today is your day. Today is the day for me to show glory and to bring healing in your life. Today's the day. Yes, we, could, we can go, man, I wish God you would have spared me from all of this other stuff I went through. I wish you would have. I wish this would have happened. And maybe there was just that moments of doubt and, and frustration and, you know, I, I can't speak. I, 
I can't hear. <laughs> I can't hear anything. I mean, it would have been very frustrating for years, perhaps. But this was the day God had appointed for him to be healed and to be a testimony of God's power. Well, one thing in this that I want us to see is that secondly, God wants us to discover his purposes. He wants us to open our understanding and our eyes to see God's working and what he is doing. God, show me because I'm really confused right now. I don't know why you're doing what you're doing or why it's taking so long. But God, show me your purpose in, in this. And God will always answer a prayer like that. He will honor those requests. And maybe sometimes you go, just wait. <laughs> sometimes the answer is just like, just wait. Just trust me. Trust me in my presence. I do have a plan and a purpose. This man's friends brought their friend to Jesus. They had faith that Jesus could do a miracle. Are we to pray and ask God for things? I hope so, absolutely, that you do that. We take the request before God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, underline everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Philippians chapter four. We believe God answers prayer. He wants us to ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. But the results are not up to us. And I've heard people over the years just because, well, I tried that once. I tried God out. I gave him a chance and it didn't happen. And I'm like, well, you missed it. You missed the in-between. Did you miss the in-between where God is showing you himself? Where is God in the in-between in, in your life? He's still there. Believe God answers prayer. He does. And simply ask and obey and let him have his way. Then amazingly we can watch and see what he's doing. And guess what? It's probably going to be different than you imagine. It's probably going to be different. The good thing about that is that God is answering prayer, but he does it in a number of different ways. So show me, Lord. Open my eyes to see what you're doing. Other times there can be things in our lives that we don't see and there are other people like this man. There are other things that people help us to see. People help us bring the, us to Jesus that we are blind to or deaf to or, you know, can't say it ourselves. We have others that speak into our lives and others that we allow a place in our lives that love us. And how many of you came to Jesus because of a friend or family member? I mean, most of us probably have a testimony that my mom or my dad or my friend or my family member prayed for me because I was a mess. I was a mess. They loved me and I finally, or someone you invited your neighbor to church, uh, you told a testimony about Jesus and they came to faith in Jesus because of you or someone you knew had influence in your life. Most people come to Jesus because of a friend or family member showed Jesus to them or took them to Jesus. We don't always see what other people see. Some, I mean, if you ask honestly, ask your wife, right, guys? You ask your wife what you don't see, and they will just get out the list. I mean, <laughs> they'll, they'll show you all the things that you're not seeing right now. <laughs> you Don't get me started, right? That underwear you left on the bathroom floor. No, I mean, not the negative stuff. I'm not just talking about the negative stuff. All the positive things they're going to tell you, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> Have you ever had that sudden awakening? Sudden awakening where you finally saw something that was right in front of you the whole time. That God wants to show you the suddenlies. He wants to show you the, the, the things that you couldn't see in the midst of that storm or whatever you're going through. How many of you are old like me? Some of you older like me. Back in the early 90s, early 90s, that is, okay, so everyone that's younger than the early 90s wouldn't probably remember this, but uh, in the malls, Jill and I would go to the mall, and we'd walk through the mall, and they had these stands these, that people were selling these pictures with these blurry pictures on them. They were just kind of colorful, blurry pictures. Remember those? And you look, and they said, just look at it, and you'll see the hologram and the 3D image appear before your eyes. And I'm like, Huh? <laughs> You're looking, I'm looking at this thing. And they said, no, just kind of turn your head or look cross-eyed. And then you can see it. And I'm like, this sounds demonic. This is demonic. There, you have to be in a trance to see this thing. Like, how many of you owned one of those pictures? Anyone? You, <laughs> you look at, I can't see it. <laughs> and it used to frustrate me. Until I finally, I don't know what it was, uh, I finally saw something pop out. I'm like, how? How did you see that? Um, and that's kind of what sometimes God thinks. A lot of things are blurry. Blurry. And they're just like, finally, one day, just like, I finally see it. I finally see it. It's amazing. Taking a, a slightly different detour, I want to... If you want to turn there, you can, but uh, Luke 15 is what God prompted me today to talk about running away, running away from God's plan. And this is the story, as many of you know, the prodigal son. And the prodigal son's story is of the prodigal who asked his father for his inheritance. And it says that, he, that his son took it and went to a distant country. And in that distant country, what does that distant country represent for us? Again, this is a story. It may have been real. I, I kind of wonder if it was a real story, a real happening of someone. Maybe you are, have experience with this yourself in your own testimony of being a prodigal at one time. And, and I always point out there's two prodigals in this story. There's the one son that stayed home that missed the father's love as well because he did everything right or thought he had done everything right. But the one we're pointing out today is the one that did run, run away to the distant country. And the distant country represents any area in our lives where we are trying to live independently from the Father. Do you find yourself in a distant country where you're trying to live independently apart from God's purposes and his will for your life? Do you ever find yourself doing that? If you get stressed out, if you get worried, guess what? You're living in a distant country. If you're just saying, ah, oh, I can't stand this anymore, you're living in a distant country at that moment. The parable tells us that he spent all his money on this wild living apart from the father, and then things began to fall apart, believe it or not. Prodigal son, he ran out of money, and then the famine hit. After the famine hit, he was starving. He was looking for something, help. I need help. I'm desperate. And so he was in this desperate moment, and then he found this pig farmer where he was feeding. And he was even longing to eat the pods of 
corn or whatever the pigs were eating, the slop. I just wish I could have some of that. I mean, that's pretty low. That's pretty low if you get to that point where you want to eat pig slop. That's when it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, he came to his senses. He had this startling revelation. How could he not see that before? And you're you're just like, come on, come on. This should be a no-brainer. Come on. How many of you have had to be in a distant country and eat pig slop before you finally saw something? Came to your senses. Have you ever had that rude awakening or that startling moment like that where the Holy Spirit finally just opens your eyes, the blinders come off, and you're just like, huh, wow, I didn't see that before. Everything changes at that moment. Or it's a moment, it's a God moment where you have to make a choice. You can stay there in the pig pen or you can have this God moment. This God revelation. Stay in the pig pen and be happy there or you can humble yourself and come under the mighty hand of God. Come under the mighty hand of God where it's just like finally I humble myself before you, Lord, so that I can come under the mighty hand of God that you may lift me up in due time. I need to swallow my pride. I need to come to the end of myself, whatever that might be, where you finally, your eyes are open to that. And often there are two primary ways that we arrive at these desperate awakening moments. And the two categories of desperate moments fit into difficult circumstances and deserved consequences. The prodigal son, he experienced both. He experienced difficult circumstances when this famine hit. And uh, while there's never a good time for famine, the timing could not have been worse for the prodigal son. (laughs) And he had done nothing to cause the famine. He had no control over the famine. It wasn't his fault, but at the worst possible moment, he found himself living through these difficult circumstances. It just happened. And that just happens. I mean, it just happens. It's just like Jill, Jill calls, calls me and, you know, we just get our car fixed. And then just something happens. It's just like you start it. And I said, Jill, you are not allowed to drive our car anymore. Because every time you turn on the ignition, something else breaks on it. You just... I don't know. I mean, I turned the knob and it worked for me. But when you touch it, it just something breaks. <laughs> I don't know. So, some things just happen. They just happen, right? Um, difficult, sir. I'm, I'm kidding, by the way. Sort of. I, I'm sort of kidding. Um, <laughs> It was only when things got really bad, really bad, that the son finally said, I mean, we have bad things in our lives, and a lot of times the bad things aren't convincing enough for us. And I often, you know, it was celebrate recovery and, and people. I often ask them, have you finally come to the end of yourself? Because a lot of times people just say, well, I just have a, a problem. I just have a drinking problem, or I just have an, uh, this problem. I'm like, if you only see it as a problem, you're never going to get help for it. If you see it as an addiction, one that you cannot 
control anymore. You're out of control. You just don't see it yet. And, and, and then sometimes people, well, I've come to give Celebrate Recovery a try. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, we're always here for us, and you're always welcome. But if you're just here to try, guess what? It, it's not going to work for you. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to be honest, loving and honest with people about that. It's not just a trial and error thing. You need to be convinced. Desperate moments or stories like that uh, can tend to be the norm rather than the exception. None of us would choose to go through those times, but if we're honest, most of us in hindsight would admit that our awakening or aha moments that we have. If you want to read a good book, read Aha by uh, Mark Batterson. Great book. Great book. Uh, most of us has come to the, in the midst of difficult circumstances. For all you parents, I'm sure none of you want to see your kids or your grandkids go through hardships. Absolutely not. We want to protect them at all costs. Please, please, please Listen to me. Please, I know. I know what it's like to go through that. Please, don't do what I did. Don't do those things. I hope you will listen to me. Or please, just listen to somebody. Listen to godly counselors, someone that would actually tell you something to, that would keep you from going down that path. Please, please. I don't know. I've, I've done it. I've begged. I've pleaded. I've done that myself. Um, we love our children and want them to live without hardships, without pain, without anything like that, without setbacks. And most of us would prefer our lives, our children's lives to be free from any anguish or pain or circumstances like that. You know, if you're truly a loving parent, you know. But ask yourself, is that what's always best for them? <laughs> Sometimes we want to play Holy Spirit. Sometimes we want to be God. And just like, okay, I don't want them to go through hardships, but I'm not saying that we wish anything upon them. Do you really think that just a privileged life that's smooth sailing and without problems is going to always teach them the best? What if you could erase all the difficulties that have happened in their life? You know, just whatever you need, I'm just write the check, write the check, you know, help you out so you don't, you don't hurt yourself, don't do that. And, mm, you know, and, and I find sometimes even with younger generations, it's just like things that took Jill and I years to get, you know, to, to, to purchase or to get or work hard for, um, even in my generation, it's not the greatest example, but um, but in my grandparents, the greatest generation, you know, the World War II people came out of the, came out of the, uh, the depression years. They scrimped and they saved and they saved everything possible. And, and sometimes they were misers because they, what if something happens, you know, I lose this stuff. But at the same time, just like some, some of this generation and younger is just like, well, I want that now, I want this now, I want this now, I want this now, and it's zero interest, you know, for 12 years. I mean, so, you know, 12, so I can buy this and that, you know, I can afford the payments. Uh, and so they, and we're just like, you know, that's not such a good idea just to, you know, overload yourself in debt. But sometimes we try to save and to solve all the problems for our loved ones ourselves. 
What if you could erase all those difficulties that God is using to wake them up to his purposes for their life? Oh. <laughs> it may sound harsh, but the number one contributor to spiritual growth is not just sermons or books or Bible studies, but the number one contributor to spiritual growth is often difficult circumstances that get us to that place. And thirdly, or lastly, God uses difficulties to accomplish his purposes, believe it or not. Right now, some of you might be just experiencing those difficult circumstances. In your pain, there may be part of you wanting to turn from God and walk away, but maybe there's something God wants you to see in that. He wants you to find his grace is sufficient for you. When Paul prayed, the apostle Paul, the godly man that he had become, he prayed, God, remove this thorn from my flesh. And it says in 2 Corinthians 12, it says, but God said to me, Jesus, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect. My perfect power is made manifest in your life through your weakness. So Paul was going, okay, therefore, I will boast in my weakness. Yay, I'm weak. <laughs> Yay, I'm weak. I'm going to boast in that, Lord, because I want your power now to be manifest in my life. Don't just waste the pain. Maybe God is wanting to open our eyes to something we failed to see yet, to show his love, to show his plan, his purposes, and his grace of the Father of God. Sometimes we need to hear the alarm, and we need to wake up out of our slumber. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, for for God sometimes uses sorrow in our lives to help us turn from sin and seek eternal life. Oh, sometimes that sorrow gets us to that point. It doesn't say God causes it. It says God uses it. And he wants to use these circumstances to draw us to himself, to draw us in. Back to our main text in Matthew, or Mark chapter 7. These friends brought him to Jesus. Were desperate. They were begging him again, like the woman too, that fell at his feet. There were no other options. There were no other alternatives. It's Jesus and Jesus only, right? And that's what got Jesus' attention in this moment. He took the man aside. Jesus took him away. It says to isolate him in private for this this undistracted moment. I'm going to focus directly on you. And it says that he put his fingers in his ears. Um, obviously, he couldn't hear at the moment. And then he spit and he touched his tongue. And he called out, Ephatha, which means to be open. And immediately his ears were open and his tongue was released. And he began to speak. And it's like, yes, miracle, God. Awesome miracle. And God still does things like that today. He still does. And again, we don't know how long this man couldn't hear or couldn't speak. We don't know the whole story, but God had a perfect time in the midst of this desperation, in the midst of his friends going, we need help for our friend who can't hear anything. Jill said that to me a long time before I finally broke down last year and got hearing aids. She was desperate. <laughs> desperate, please, please go do this. And I said, okay, almighty Costco. And I went there and God... God gave me hearing aids. Um, 
And again, we don't know how long this happened for this man. And I don't recommend spitting as a means to pray for people. It is like, you know, spitting for healing. You know, even in the next chapter in Mark chapter 8, we haven't got there yet, but it talks about the blind man. Jesus spit in the man's eyes. And after praying, Jesus asked the man if he could see anything. See anything? He says, well, I see what appear to be trees and people. And I think what... Maybe he just had spit in his eyes. He couldn't see it. He had to wipe it out. But no, Jesus prayed for him again. Who cares about the blood of Jesus? We need the spit of Jesus. I mean, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think we'll stick to anointing oil and uh, praying for people for the sick. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? <laughs> Jesus had really anointed spit for some reason. I don't know. Sometimes God gets our attention through difficult circumstances, but probably more often God brings us to desperate moments and through sometimes deserved consequences. Deserved being not that God's trying to teach us a lesson, but deserved being because of our bad choices, we finally come and our eyes are open. And Jesus said, that the son spent all that wild money on wild living. There, it was no one else's fault but his own. He had to come to that place. Of, it's my fault. I'm the one who did it. He, re, he arrived in this, this distant country when all the money was gone, when all his friends disappeared. His own actions and his choices brought him to that place. He found himself hungry and alone. If he hadn't left his father's house and hadn't blown all his money on wild living, if he hadn't done all those things, this is where the consequences of our choices can be jarring at times. You know, God blesses what he blesses. He blesses those things that he's blessing. But sometimes we pray and we're praying, we're praying, God, please bless us and please bless us. And he goes, I never was in it. I never was in that. How do you expect me to bless something that is you and what you want? He won't. He can't. This is where the consequence of our choices need to come in that distant country, wherever you're at. And it's only a matter of time before your decisions catch up with you and that desperate moment that finally when we cry out to God, we don't always see the poor choices we're making, but you've heard the saying, hindsight is twenty twenty. How many of you can look back and go, oh, I can finally see what God was doing. I can finally see it. It makes sense now. I, don't, I didn't see it before, but thank God I can see how he was working. And a lot of times that's in many of our stories. And even thinking about the story of Jonah, when, when God called Jonah uh, to go preach to the Ninevites. And the Ninevites were terrible Assyrian people. They were Assyrians that actually uh, were executing people. They were, they were horrible, horrible people. They were like, the, you know, the, the ISIS or the Hamas of today. They were, the, they were the people that were just, you know, terrible genocide. Would you want to go preach to those type of people and preach repentance and God's love to them? I mean, I know some people that probably would. But, you know, risking your life and also going to your enemy, going to the enemy and saying, God loves you and I hope that you'll repent. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> I did it, God, you know, but, but that was probably hard. I mean, even if you know, and perhaps Jonah knew someone that 
had been taken away and killed. That would be really hard, making it more personal. He got on a boat, going to Tarshish, going the furthest place he could to get away from God's plan. And then the storm hit, and then he was asleep in the boat, and then they woke him up and said, how could you be sleeping? You call on your God, whoever your God is, and pray that, and then it found out that Jonah was the one that caused that. You're the one <laughs> that's caused this. And he goes, just throw me overboard, just kill me, or I just want to kill myself. You know, he was just like, I just kill me. And God, he couldn't even kill himself. He couldn't even kill himself. Because this whale or this big fish, whatever it was, swallowed him up. And from the, how would you like that? God get your attention from the belly of a whale. Where he finally prays in the midst of this stomach. And you're like, I can't believe I'm still alive for one thing. But he finally got his senses in the midst of a fish stomach. Where he finally just said, okay, God, if you rescue me, I will do it. And the Obviously, the whale or fish vomited him up on the shore to finally do that. This is where sometimes we find ourselves. We find ourselves, if you're trying to run away from what God is calling you to, or you're asleep during the storm, everyone around you can see it. We can see it. How come you can't see it? If you're dozing off in the midst of things falling apart, that's when God may send someone to you to perhaps wake you up. He might send an angel. He might send himself. Or he might send a friend or a family member. He might pop a... You might be turning on the radio and hear a radio announcement. You might see a sign in the sky. You might see something. We're just like, okay. He's going knock, knock, knock. Knock, knock, knock. I'm right here. And you know that Revelation passage in Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand on the door and knock. A lot of times we think associate that with a salvation message. That's not a salvation message. That's talking to the church. He's knocking outside the door because we've shut him out. We've shut him out in our life. We're just kind of living a happy life without Jesus. He's still knocking on the door. Behold, I will come in if you open the door for me. We leave him outside. And that's where sometimes we're at. He wants to come in and dine with you. God may send something in your life to get your attention. And sometimes we need in our lives someone to tell us the truth. Truth can hurt sometimes, can it? It can certainly be hard to speak it. A lot of times people will speak slight truths. Slight truths. I'll just share some things. Hopefully you get it. Subtle, subtle hints. And, you know, when Jill does this to me, sometimes the subtle hints, I'm like, I'm a guy. I don't get the subtle hints all the time. I mean, I know, I know there's a secret code and language females have, but, but guys don't get it all the time. They're just like, huh? <laughs> just like, I tried, but you didn't see it. I'm like, maybe you need to speak it in my, my language. Because <laughs> like, I, uh, I miss it. I miss it at times. God, help me. Help me to see things that my wife wants to show me at times. Do you have a friend or family member that you've given permission to speak into your life? Have you? Do you have someone like that? 
And a lot of times it's from the same sex that you can go to a man or man to man, woman to woman. And besides, I mean, yes, I think your, your spouse especially, but one that you can just say, hey, you got something that you can tell me? Um, please, please tell me. Desperation will awaken us to what God's purpose is and what he wants to show us, our dependence on God. And God will use people. He will... He wants to show you that. And oftentimes in our desperate moments that reveal our, our need for God, our dependence on him, it always is true. It just took that moment where you finally came to your senses and you realize it. I need to come to my senses, God, because I'm senseless. Though he blew it all, the father wanted nothing more for his son to return to him. That's it. Always, in the, and when he finally came to his senses, I will go back. Even my father's slaves were treated better than the pig slop. Even though I could eat something, I will go back as a servant in my father's house. And that's exactly the opposite of what he, re he received when he went back. And when he went back, it says, the father saw him and ran to him and embraced him and put a new garments on him and said, threw him a party and of course, if you read the story, the, the, old, the other brother was, was furious, was furious. I have done everything right. I did everything. I never left you. I stayed here. I did everything right. And this is kind of the, what tends to be the religious person. The religious person that did, I went to church, I prayed, I read my Bible four times a day. I did everything right. And, and, and God should love me too. And, and just like, don't you see that you always have available to you everything that you ever wanted? But you're missing the Father's love too because you're trying to be right in everything. And sometimes that religious spirit and that rightness will miss it entirely too because you, you miss the Father's love in your legalism and your rightness. So either way, wherever you find yourself, whether you're at home, you still might be in a distant country. My question this morning is how desperate will your situation be before you realize your dependence and your need for God? There will be desperate moments, a difficult circumstance, maybe a deserved consequence that you need when you finally realize your way isn't working and you need to come back to the Heavenly Father. What's it going to take in that? Some people... Say, I just need to hit rock bottom. Have you ever said that? I just need to hit rock bottom. And I don't know why, why they tell themselves we have to hit rock bottom. Because I, I just like to sin too much. That's what someone told me once. I just like to sin too much. Until I finally hit rock bottom. And I suppose it makes us feel better how far we fell. But listen, listen I don't know what it's going to take, but I know your loved one doesn't have to hit rock bottom before they see that. Pray for them that they may wake up now, that they may see that. Sometimes God will use you to be that father or mother or someone to speak in their life. Other times, God wants you to pray for them in the midst of that because he needs to do what he's gonna do and you can't rescue them. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. The Holy Spirit this morning may be turning the light on. Something 
might be trying to keep hidden in the darkness. Darkness will always try to hide things. Everything in our life always tries to stay hidden. Um, but his light will always overcome darkness in our lives. He will always want to turn the light on in, in our hidden areas, our skeletons in the closet. It is then we have to make that choice. Anytime the light is turned on, guess what? In the midst of our darkness, so when the light turns on, it's like it takes a minute to readjust to the light. And you're just like, and we can say, turn that light off. You know, we could turn, or we can say, ah, oh, this kind of stings a little bit. Oh, I can finally see. Sometimes it may have a little sting to the light. And that sting is just like, you just have to sit and get adjusted to it. Or we can turn things over and we can say, turn off the light and we can stay in that dark spot. For the prodigal son to finally make that startling realization, he had to have some alone time in that, that time, some time to think. Maybe this was the first time he had alone time and had to stay in silence. There was no one to talk to. There was nothing to distract him. It was just that moment. No more wild parties. Or, it was just time to sit in silence. And if you are in need of a starting revelation in your life, maybe you should begin with solitude and silence. You need to find that God has been trying to get your attention the whole time, but you haven't been able to hear him, not because he hasn't been loud enough, but maybe because you haven't been quiet enough. When God speaks, he often speaks in moments of solitude and silence. And sometimes we want this dramatic moment, God thundering from heaven in this audible voice. And he seldom does that. Is God speaking to you this morning? In his still small voice, he's just tugging at your heartstring. He might be just like, hmm, that hurts a little. That stings. What's he saying to you? Is today your miracle moment in this? When God speaks to us, he often uses these, these moments. God can use anything to get your attention. If you're going to go through a difficulty, it may not be something that you or even God caused. It may be someone else had this in your life. Maybe it was a, a, a hardship. It could be a, an abusive situation. God didn't cause that. It wasn't your fault in that. But God knows that you can come to the Father. He loves you and he wants you to know that he's always there for you. He is a good, good Father who loves you. That's who he is and we are loved by him. God made you perfect. He made you with a purpose and a plan and a destiny and he's, he has that perfect plan for you and hopefully you are discovering that. If you are not or have a tendency to run from it, God is calling you back to himself today and his love and his purposes. Let's, let's pray. Lord, I think every one of us could probably relate to a story like this in your word, in the prodigal son or this, or this one that the friends took to you for healing. God, we, we need to come each and every day. It's not just a one-time thing. It's really a daily thing that we take up our cross, that we follow you. We die to ourselves. Lord, we surrender to you, whatever it may be in this way, that we say, God, we need you. Maybe there are times we need to come to this desperate moment, this moment of desperation, or perhaps it's even deserved consequences where we, where we say, ah, I blew it. 
And I just have to admit it, Lord. I have to come to the end of myself. I have to come to the end of my pride. I have to humble myself, God. And this morning, if, if there's things that I just need to humble myself before you today, that all of us, even in this room, could hear your speaking to us. This is what you need to surrender to me. This is what, where you are living, you're living in a distant country and, and you're asking us just to turn from that. Turn from your own ways. If, if it is a, a sin issue, if it's an area of rebellion in your life, of running, then I, I turn from that, God. I want to surrender it to you today. I want to come back to the Father. And he will always run to you. He will always be there for you to accomplish his will and his purposes even when they don't make sense. Thank you, God. Release, Lord. Release healing. Release uh, your, your love here even this moment. Release that in our lives, God. A new revelation of uh, freedom and cleansing here today. Whether that be in body, in soul, or in spirit today, I just pray your healing power and touch in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.